What episode is this? Um, 40? 40? You're supposed to keep track of the number. Uh, right? Yeah, I lose track once we get in the 40s. Kind of works like age. Not funny. <laughs> Not funny at all. You know, you're going to be here. Not too far away, bro. But the whole point is, you'll always here. be 10 older. Yeah, that's all right. You'll always have that buffer of like, ah, I could hit him where, yeah, I could right there. I mean, married couples do this all the time still, I'm sure. If a 30-year-old's married to a 40-something-year-old, I'm sure there's age jokes. There's age jokes when there's only a two or three-year difference, at least in my marriage. I'm just happy with any jokes that you can get by in a marriage and not, you know be threatened kicked out of the house yeah early days early days i probably could have been on the curb i don't know yeah uh no i want to i want to take it there sometimes i just don't know that it'll be funny <laughs> there's but there's I, I did a lot of stuff in my youth that i found funny that my wife found not amusing at all i'm surprised i'm still alive in some cases i tell my wife that she's basically like a, a one-person audience for my uh stand-up like comedy rehearsal and uh, audition is that I'm going to run all the bad jokes in front of her first and we'll see how she reacts to them. So far I'd be getting booed off the stage and tomatoes would be being thrown at me if I were a stand-up comedian. Well, I make my, I think my wife laughs at my jokes. Sometimes I can get on a roll going and she'll be laughing and I'll be like, all right, I got some material amateur night. I'm going. And she'll flip out like, go, God, no, you're not going to be funny to anyone but me or were you. And you're not even that funny. You know, that's when I'll start. Getting they say, though, that in order to be a real legendary comedian, you can't know how funny you really are. You have to sort of just be yourself and not yeah, have it tell be... a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a story about. Well, I can't go there. Never mind. It's meandering, bro. You can go wherever you want. No, I'm not going that's there. what we do. It's our 40th episode. Damn it. Where would you like to get started? Where you want to go, bro? I've been thinking about ways of upgrading this podcast. And, you know, music isn't anything new or revelatory, but music's a big part of my life. And I actually don't know how big of a part of your life it is. I know you're a big classical fan. I like all, pretty much all genres, I guess. I mean, I'm not a huge country fan, but it doesn't kill me to listen to it. I do find a, I like a lot of classical music. I couldn't talk to you about classical music or what artists and all that or what orchestra and all that, but I do enjoy listening. To it goes that. very well with your drives home. Yeah, it I, does. I, I, I think I have to thank cartoons for that. Honestly, uh, growing up, Merry Melodies type stuff. Yeah, like your Tom and Jerry's, your Bugs Bunnies. Your, I mean, there was a ton of classical music undertones, if not flat out in a lot of those cartoons you don't even realize it there's oh, yeah. nothing like going a hundred miles an hour down a crowded freeway listening to classical music i dare you to do it well uh, maybe i should no I, I mean <laughs> I, i've done it i do it with movie scores which is pretty close to classical yeah, music you feel like you're in a damn cartoon definitely do for sure a lot of people like to listen to fast music or metal or something maybe some rap that gets you going and driving fast Rap gets me a little more aggressive behind the wheel, and I don't I don't listen to much hip hop anymore unless it's uh, stuff from the '90s or early 2000s. I'm in that nostalgia phase with with hip hop and rap. Don't listen to a lot of new stuff, especially uh, driving. The age. I've reached the age, but that doesn't mean it's not still a, a big. If if you stick 
five genre options in front of me, I'm going to go early 2000s hip hop over 90% of the stuff. Yeah. Maybe maybe <clears throat> uh maybe movie scores above that, maybe 70s rock. Oh, don't do that. What? It's not your generation. Stop listening to 70s rock. Uh, it's an in, though, to understand that generation and find some commonality. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I'm just berating no- them on yes, <laughs> meandering. There's, there's nothing there. There's a lot there. There is nothing. Well, I don't know. We okay. I'll open up with REO Speedwagon in a couple of weeks, and we'll just see. Not see your cup the, of tea. Here's the problem. is like in our fair burg here, we had at one point in time like three classic rock stations. And so... All these songs from Led Zeppelin to ZZ Top to you name it got played a million billion times. And you have kids younger than me, where their favorite band is Led Zeppelin. It's like, dude, they haven't been a band together since you 25, were born. 25, 30 years, yeah. yeah I mean, find but and discover same some music from your era. Same token, Ario Speedwagon still touring. But they haven't made anything significant and new ever, and they're still touring based on the fifty-five plus they, crowd. That's their legacy acts, going to, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but I think it does stunt the growth of other bands. But whatever, it's a different conversation. Yeah, I was thinking about when old or not oldies, but when like classic rock becomes, when do they usher in a new era? Like when do we start hearing Nirvana and late nineties green day type stuff on 92 five? You're already doing that. I'm pretty sure. Really? Oh yeah. I, I haven't, li- I haven't tuned Nirvana. into 92 five, which is our local, uh, yeah, go to for I don't even classic know rock. Classic rock or not. To be it's gotta be. They still have They've Bo changed. and Jim in the morning. Oh, do they? Yeah. They're kind of fun. They're fun guys. <laughs> sure. They're all right. All right. Yeah, AM, like AM, you just listen to sports PM, radio. Oh, golly. You don't even need to listen to sports radio. You're you know, a sports they, aficionado. They play more music and talk about norm, more music on the sports radio station than they do on regular radio stations. Music? Yeah. They'll play it and talk about it, especially new stuff. Sometimes yeah. they're playing it to make fun of it. Like, um, you know, count the... Uh, Count the times Cardi B says. <clears throat> no, they'll go. They'll go country song stuff like count the number of times you hear Creek and Fish and Critter uh, and Dirt Road and Beer and. Well, that's playing country music, yeah. Yeah. And Can't. truck. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah, a, it's just that there's a certain like bro country is just all about that, you know, where every other line has some mention of something that everybody goes, hell yeah, yeah. Rap does that too, right? Yeah, it taps into the psychology of people and what they're about. That's how you strike it rich in the music industry and this day and age. That's how you that's how you get the lowest common denominator going, hell yeah, let me buy that. That's what that's how that's how you strike it rich in the music industry. I don't know if it's good music, but it's definitely a way to get by no way, shape, or form good music. And uh, yeah, we can have a whole episode about that. Um, but recently we were highlighted on this is m40 dude i okay i gotta are we on m40 yeah i gotta highlight that real quick because i was thinking about it on the way home that means 40 weeks roughly give or take because this is a weekly show and yeah we've recorded multiple episodes in one sitting but for the most part this is our 40th week of doing that and it does line up we started in november december of last year and we're already 40 episodes in 
that's not a big feat for many folks that have 30 to 45 minute podcasts. But if we had a 30 to 45 minute podcast, we'd have Show about 180, 190 episodes. This is long form, three hours minimum uh, in some cases, podcasting, and I'm I'm really happy with where we're at. We have we've started the evolution of the topics that we talked about in this first ten months, the strength of some of the topics that we've talked on, and us learning more about some of the topics that we introduced early, early on is. I listen to our show uh, here and there, and I, I jump around different episodes and some of the stuff that we recorded a long time ago. And it's irrefutable to not see the growth and the the way that we present our arguments. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here because I'm very self-analytical in this regard, but I like to have my presentation for stuff very well thought out and at the start of the show I thought I had it but I didn't know that I wasn't even close to where I've got it now and in a year's time I can't wait can't wait to see where we're at <laughs> it'll still sound like two guys who don't know what the hell they're talking about except we'll have maybe upgraded even more equipment and we'll figure it out how to employ sound effects right now like you hear a bullhorn yeah yeah in the radio business they call those drops Oh, yeah. I don't know if I want drops. Sure you do. Why? Why not? Those are the little, little attention grabbers. They're fun sometimes. Find where somebody said something weird and just play it again. There's a lot, lot of weird, yeah. weird things to... I know. We could pull up interviews now, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if we want to, but we could, yeah. Yeah, there were some bits and parts of previous conversations that would... We could have had the sound bites, I guess. Oh, well, we have the sound bites. Yeah. All I got to do is bring them up on, on my phone now. Yeah. And we can queue up Morgan's week one Corona theory. That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> That's okay. where my do, do you want to go there? Okay. No, I don't. Okay. Not at all. That was an old. That was an old. Because we can talk about week one Sasha stuff too. <laughs> yeah. We could talk. Like there'd be like fifty billion dead. There. Uh... That was a text message. Oh, okay. That was a direct message to you <laughs> saying 300,000 dead, which isn't too far from where we're going to be at now. Except it was like in one week. In a week, yeah. <laughs> it was in Not China. in a year. It was in, but it was uh, pertinent to the Chinese people, so who knows? Maybe there were 300,000 dead. Yeah, you'll never know about that. Right? Never really know. Never need to know. We know the effect that it's had on us here at home, and that's serious enough to not really... Uh, bother with the truth, the reality of of what happened there at the onset, because they're gonna they're they're gonna do the, what what their folks do over there in positions of power, and they're gonna cover their tracks. So are there Chinese people going? I ain't gonna wear no mask. Hmm, no, because the psychology of wearing masks, I think, was more prevalent there than uh, it was here. Surely, going there's into anti anti maskers in. Such so a large society. Yeah, you would think so. Maybe. I don't know. Can't just be an American phenomenon, right? What if uh what if they have a little less wiggle room to not wear a mask? What or if get, you're put to death for well, not wearing I don't know a if mask? You're put to death, but you might go to jail. Did you hear the story out of Indonesia where they're making uh folks who 
choose not to wear masks or promote uh, anti-mask wearing dig graves for those who are dying? No, but that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of an indirect um, way of saying, oh, you don't think this is real? Okay, well, dig these holes. Right. (laughs) Eight people have had to start digging holes. Eight anti-maskers in Indonesia. Um, I'm reading here that Indonesia is the highest, most uh, rapidly growing hotbed for coronavirus in Southeast Asia. So that may have something to do with it because the way this thing spread, it's sort of like hit the world at different times and the the psychology of it all like, has to be in your face for it to um, sink in. And I guess it's, it is hitting, I was thinking of you the other day when you uh, were talking about India long, long ago. And now it's really, really hitting India pretty yeah, hard. I couldn't figure out why they weren't with having a bunch of cases, and and now they are in such a large um, hub. Hub, and you know, like you see those pictures of people riding trains, and it, I mean, the train is so full, people are on top of the train or standing on the front of the train, and and it's you see a lot of the big hubs, and it just seems like a lot of people in a in a closed amount of space yeah, if we're thought, getting it here in half empty wow, restaurants yeah. then why aren't they getting it in uh trolley cars with people dangling off off of the edges no it's a good question that we still kind of don't have a solid reason as to why why every country wasn't hit simultaneously as hard as we were yeah you would think with world travel uh most places would have gotten it near the same time. But it does seem like, well, like New Zealand has been able to pretty much be COVID-free, essentially, because they're an island and they can control people coming in and out. out. Well, that's about all you're going to get out of COVID from us on this M40 episode, because uh, I think we've got a coronavirus special coming up for the fall that's sort of us talking about the timeline of what may or may not happen in the fall. We we had that the report. vaccines. Yeah, the vaccines and some other stuff. We had that discussion a month ago. Lost in the fray. We recorded a whole bunch of content in the last month, and I'm still playing catch up to it and releasing it. This uh, this is more of a I don't know, just a meandering short, maybe meandering short, but meandering light is what I was hoping it would be. The topic I want to introduce isn't light at all because I quit Facebook today. Yeah, I never started. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I'm expecting like a good job, congratulations. Yeah, you or, know, it's about time. I it's explained about to you, time. but I explained to you why I used Facebook, and I still haven't figured out how I'm going to supplement my use. Of what I was using Facebook. I mean, if you're for. promoting a business, maybe I I don't know, man. I I understand and I get that that some families are spread out across everywhere, and it's kind of easy to keep track of families. But for me, Facebook's always been the collision center for your family, your friends, and your work people. And I think those worlds should always stay separate. Mm. And you cross dangerous boundaries when you mix it all together in in a social networking environment. In the same token, let me fire back with you'd cross dangerous territory if you're doing stuff that could be deemed, you know, dangerous for well, one world to having, have access but, to. But a, a normal opinion mm-hmm. 
COVID is real could create all kinds of crap through family, through friends. So I learned that recently because I overheard that you guys were having a Batista versus the rock conversation in the workplace and news travels very quickly. So you see, not that that was spoken of on social media, arguably, I mean, uh, the podcast could be viewed as that, but there's a discussion that uh, we had that turned into a discussion in the workplace. So yeah, you can insert like a, a more important conversation that maybe you had in private and then if you get on social media and you share even an inkling of that conversation that you had and who you had it with, then it turns it gets out of control very quick. Is that the sort of stuff you're saying shouldn't um, be had online on in the Internet realm? No, not necessarily. It's just, you know, politics and religion, right? It's two things you really don't really want to discuss with people you don't really know very well. Well, when you have a place where you have family who you're comfortable talking politics and religion with, but your friends can see it and your work people can see it, that creates an issue. I mean, you don't, everybody doesn't think the same way. People don't perceive the same stuff. Uh, You know how this works. Oh, yeah. Uh, And you may have gossipers at work who just look at your feed looking for any little thing to start gossip at work. I mean, it just, it's a bad collision place of colliding, uh, you know. Opinion? Perspective? Worlds, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, I I have my family world. I have my friend world. There are a few friends that will cross over to my family world, but not all my friends are going to cross over to my family world. Right. Uh, And then there'd be my work world, and and sometimes those cross over to my friend world, but a lot of times you keep those sometimes you know arms very length. casual and mm-hmm. arms link and business like and so I until just, you hit the disc golf course and then it's all bets are off yeah and then you know i just I, that's the part of it i never really liked I, I never really liked that i didn't own anything that everything i loaded on there was theirs i didn't like that i didn't like the fact that they track and watch every little thing that you do um and, and then essentially advertise to you and I mean, the whole the whole point of it was like, okay, like when it first started to come out, I'm like, well, it's free. Why is it free? Yeah. Because they're making money somehow. And so, you know, it doesn't take long to start to think about it and go, okay, they're just getting you to be you for free. You're the product. Yeah. So that they can gather all your data and make money off of you for free and not give you any kickback, not give you any research. I mean, and you just go along your merry life going, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that they track me and make money. I was going to say, that might be a problem in today's world with 10% of the population. Like if you told them what you just said, you might anger one person out of 10. And that one person says, I'm done with Facebook. It's because they've rationalized everything. That's been building up, though. I mean, the idea of celebrity and the idea that... uh, becoming famous and having a large group of followers even that uh, follow your every move. That's something that's ingrained psychologically. And then Twitter turns around and says, well, we're not going to hide any of that. And people who follow everything that you say on this feed, they're going to be called followers and it's going to psychologically make you feel as if you have followers. Right. That's a dangerous, uh, that's dangerous ground to tread on, especially when you're, talking about a population that may not know themselves very fully and may not be self-aware to have to just hand out people that are following non 
blind leading the blind and sheep leading the sheep sort of mentality. I don't want to jump right to that, but well, the it fact is what that it is. you can buy followers, are, okay, they're not mm-hmm. really followers then, <laughs> right? They're bought. <laughs> they're for. just yeah. They're I can pay somebody to make it look like I have a bunch of followers. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me do that. It gets me to thinking a lot, like what the sweet spot is for a non-celebrity who still wants to have a positive impact and reach more people than they start a charity and do everything through the charity. Leave freaking social media alone. Well, I was talking really specific to social media. Like what's that? I believe there is a zone of healthy social media activity that if somebody is conscious enough, they can navigate that cesspool of, of disintegration very very strategically. If you're on social media, you're contributing. What well, if you know so, their tricks? Okay, you know their tricks, but you don't have their resources. An individual will not be able to battle through all their tricks to but you to be you, successful in what? Oh, not successful to uh bring the whole thing down. Well, you okay, so your goal is to be successful at bringing the whole thing down. Right. You individually won't beat millions of computers, you but you're feeding AI. them the data. One individual's feeding data when there's three billion using it. Yeah, yeah. that one individual. Oh, it's going to take it all down, bro. What if you feed the truth into the algorithm? The truth of everything so that's going on. Then you don't do anything on the platform. You hack it and change the code. Yeah. Yeah, that's not doing. That's not posting something on Facebook or tweeting. Oh something. no, no, I don't think you can make any impact or change that way. Yeah, what I'm saying should... is the things that you're typing do get sucked in. Clearly, we know that now by the AI that is aggregating all the data and is spitting out millions of algorithms that are catered to each individual. If you can send something into that AI that it shoots out in all of the directions that like watching the social dilemma on Netflix, let me dial it back a little bit. They talk about personalizing your feed. They talk about uh, the years of data research they did on you in the mid-2000s to find out what you ate on Mondays, Tuesdays, so that they could spit out a jack-in-the-box ad for you because uh, your Google Maps data said you were more prone to go to jack-in-the-box midweek than other days. So all these little tiny details of your life have been gathered, and now we're reaching the point where uh, the results are being churned out and or we have been at that point for maybe four or five years and, and people are just catching on to it. The people who want to catch on to it, I guess, are the people that were skeptical and were on the fence about it. What I'm saying is the entire time, the people that have known that and known that it's been going on, for example, yourself, if you'd had a social media feed and you had Facebook this entire time and you knew what was going on, you're telling me your troll nature wouldn't have... I'm just a sheep. If that's what I do, if I have, if I have it the whole time, knowing what it does, I'm just a sheep. I'm not any different from anyone else. It's come from the guy who goes into the voting booth and puts Harambe down in 2016 and tells his census census guy that he's got nine people. So what if you did that to an AI? Still looking for my writing candidate this year, by the way. I'm I'm hoping for suggestions. Uh, I kind of came across, I, I, you know. I, I've come across a couple of people. A couple of candidates? Yeah. Good. We'll see. Kanye keep, may keep be up there. I may, well, Kanye may might actually, you, yeah. you do it by mistake and you might get him in office. Well, I'd, be, I'd be all right. Be, yeah, be okay. 
Kim would be running things, so we might be all right. Oh, yeah. The Kardashians know how to run a business. The economy would be in great shape. <laughs> um, not Sorry, that it isn't now. Sorry, sidetrack you with my stupid writing dates. I don't get sidetracked anymore. Oh, okay. That's one of the, my growth oh, my things God. over the last you year. You get I... sidetracked very easily. Don't even go there. You, I mean. You don't even know how to stay on topic. I do. <laughs> Damn. I thought I did. So. I've been told all my life that in order to defeat whatever you want to defeat, you have to sort of learn how it operates. I've had problems with the idea of fame. How do you know you haven't been influenced? You would, you'd have to ask me questions on a psych evaluation. I would suggest you have been influenced. I don't know how I would have been influenced. Well, it would have realized through posts and pictures and whatnot that how to feed your ego and it would have fed your ego to make you think that you can trick the system or play the system or my ego was where it's at now prior to social media that's the problem so well that's what i'm saying it's learned your ego it already you've had the same ego the whole way right so it's played into it but my ego didn't grow my (laughs) they are but my ego did not grow because of social media that that's the that's the difference and maybe i can only speak from this generationally but you you come from a generation where you had the choice of saying i'm opting out of the entire social media thing very quickly and good on you a lot of folks your age actually that route but in the last a lot of folks my age are right in the middle of it it took them a while it's been recent yeah it took a a while to get in on it that's what i'm saying in my generation um Going to school in 2004, 2005, in the college years, when Facebook is introduced to you as a way of communicating with, uh, well, basically, it was it was looked at as a more wholesome version of something like Tinder, uh, to where guys and gals that you were sitting across uh, from a lecture, stalk them online, yeah. not stalk them. Okay, whatever. you could shoot up a, a quick casual conversation with you them. You could hunt them online. You it, could cast your net. You could throw your bait out to a thousand different ponds. To catch one fish. No, that's the that's the predatory, <laughs> that's the like uh, college predator sort of mentality uh-huh. of like right. I want to sleep with as many women as possible, perhaps. But that's not what I was going. Well, it's the guy that will just try to hit on every woman he sees exactly. because, with the same terrible lines because one out of a hundred will probably respond to it. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps my ego has been the same this entire time. Yeah, it was, wor- it was actually worse when you were younger. Definitely. Well, probably, because I had... There's no probably to it. I'm telling you, it was worse. Well, yeah, I was making music, so your ego has to be hyperinflated when you're trying to make uh, a decent a amount myth. of music. That's a myth. It's not. You have to have a sense of uh, pride in what you're doing in the creative arts. Otherwise, you don't have to just... be an egomaniac or well, huge ego to do that. A lot of humble people make good music. Let me let me start off by saying I don't consider myself at any point in my life an egomaniac. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I'm just I'm, I'm prodding and poking. I'm, I don't. That's I good. Didn't, I didn't see you as an egomaniac either. That's good. You are very confident. Yeah, that's just self-aware. I don't know if that's self-aware. It, just large ego, very confident. I don't know about self-aware. Self-awareness would have meant that you might have been a little more humble. <laughs> I was humble in my the way that I 
promoted my music, and I still am. I'm humble in the way that promote this show. I don't go out sticking this in everyone's face saying, you need to listen to this because if you do for 30 or 40 episodes, you'll come out of it better, you'll come out of it more educated, and you'll probably be interested in everything that we have to say from this point on. I felt the same way that I feel about this show that I felt about my music. <laughs> I said if people give this a chance and compare it to what they've been listening to or compare it to what they're listening to, and even further, if they're willing to spark up a conversation with the person who wrote the song and recorded the song and chose the and they poke and prod at, at his decisions behind the music, they'll discover a larger picture and a larger discussion to be had because that's what artists kind of want to do when they create art. They want to share their vision with people. But the problem is there's no reciprocity. There's not a lot of reciprocity anymore. Um, now, in the social media world, all record companies want you to do is be a funnel for revenue. And not that they haven't always felt that way, but artist expression, I feel, in the mainstream is quickly dissipating. And independent anything, whether it's an independent movie, independent songwriter, independent musician, independent book writer, that seems to be the way to go if you well, are interested in the creative easier. arts. Yeah, it's a lot easier these days to, to go the independent route than what it used to be, right? But why is it easier now? But technologies are just available to everyone. It's not, you know, a recording studio isn't just uh, only for certain people. Let me, let me get deeper questioning and inquiring about that then, because I believe in this fully. I believe that those are effects. Those are effects from a cause. And the cause of why this technology is so easy to gain access to and why creative artists can succeed on their own independently without fan bases, without a, a machine behind you or anything like that, is because the opposite of that had run its course. And that the big machine concept was so vehemently but uh, I, repelled over the last 30 to 40 years. I don't know, man. I don't know that it's even run its course. It's still there. It's still major. It still dictates what you listen to. It just comes at you in slightly different forms. Reality TV, perhaps, which has produced very popular stars here in the last 20 years, right? What are the stats on people cutting their cable in the last 10 years? Well, maybe, but I mean, you, sh you can stream everything you cut. You have an app as an option for everything you yeah. cut, yes. But if you do that, then you're dumb because you're spending more money ultimately than you would for your cable subscription by yeah, which is five bucks for the history app, five bucks for the lifetime app, five bucks for well, even all these a la carte apps. Well, even if you're just getting the basics, right? Netflix, Hulu, Disney. It's 50 bucks already. You know, I'm, I know I'm missing one in there. Uh, Amazon. Oh, yeah, um, Prime. Forty nine uh, ninety nine a year. And and then if you throw something else on top of that, you're right. You're already at 40 or 50 bucks. And if you're getting internet for 40 or 50 bucks, well, your bill's already getting close to a hundred bucks a month mm -hmm. now. Uh, so that's why I, I haven't cut the goal. <laughs> uh, I don't have all the movie channels in the world that I used to have, but I haven't cut the core because every time I look at it, I'm like, There's okay, if I, if, if I cut it, I got to add this and this. And it's like, I'll be paying the same. So why am I going to cut it again? Mm. Um, so maybe it makes sense when your cell phone 5g hits, bro. 
and uh, your cell phone can stream everything and you don't have to purchase internet separately, then it maybe it makes a lot more sense. Then aren't we somewhat being contradictory of like everything? So we opened this particular conversation with social media being an ugly yeah. thing, right? But here we are talking about the ways that we could see ourselves spending more time on our phones. The right. phone is the problem. I don't think that social media is necessarily the problem. The um, phone might be the problem. The amount of screen time that people have spent with their necks in a certain position downward, just scrolling randomly while they're driving in stores or grocery lines, waiting for their kids at the dinner table. There's there's so many times to where if you had a certain time of day that was 30 minutes of social media time, I don't think social media would be a problem. But it's because the time is so spread out and it's it's freely given. You can do it whenever you want. People well, are the, choosing. The problem that. with social media is is the tracking and the selling. It's not the use, in my opinion. I mean, at some point, they're going to start tracking all your kids of, that you keep putting all these pictures online of all your kids, and they're going to start tracking your kids before your kid ever has a Facebook account. They've already. And by the time your kid signs up for Facebook when they're 16, 17, 18, they're going to have custom They're going to have versions. 15 mm-hmm. years of data on you from what your parents posted of you online. That's the part that's odd, daunting, scary, seems evil almost. Mm-hmm. The kids won't think twice of it because the kids will almost expect that and they'll want it. Maybe. It, it's it, a possibility. They, they it might, comes down to the home. I think some of them, you never know how, how attitudes change. Some of them might be completely freaked out and hate their parents for posting all the crap online you know, as they were growing up. Well, we talked a lot about uh, generational divide on this show over the course of months because of everything that's going on in in the US and around the world just this past week i was trying to <clears throat> i was trying to forecast there's this song that i brought up with uh well contributor to the show miguel this past week it was mike and the mechanics in the living years and it opens up with every generation blames the one before yeah and i think there is a I think there is an option for us to look at that statement, which is clearly evident because here I am proving it correct, blaming my parents' generation for a lot of the issues that we have, which may be legitimate. It may be something that is just bound to happen or inevitable, but there may be some legitimacy to it. What I'm more interested in is getting to the, the future of what we could be blamed for by our kids and saying, won't allow that, won't allow that to happen, yeah, won't allow that to you're happen. You're not going to be able to anticipate that. But somebody is. No. I don't think it's something you can control. You think if we solve all the problems with the world in the current state that it is, that new problems just come out of it? Oh, yeah. Well, one, you're not going to be able to solve everything, but it, it doesn't matter what you do. The people, I mean, <laughs> aren't we presented with this? Um, from a customer service standpoint, um, I'll harken back to my hotel days in the last hotel that I worked in. We provided free breakfast. Uh, it was hot eggs, sausage, bacon, pancakes, Sounds cereals, delicious. fruits, free. Absolutely yeah. 100% free. But the most complaint about thing in the entire hotel was that free breakfast. It didn't have this on it. It didn't have that on it. it didn't I couldn't do my diet on this diet with this. And and it's like 
it's free and it's all the basic things that you would probably find at any breakfast place and it's free and it didn't matter that it was good. It didn't matter that it was free. It still got complained about. So I I think that same principle where it doesn't really matter how you present somebody with something, somebody's going to have a problem with it. It's going to be perfect in my eyes or your eyes, but somebody's going to have a problem with it. And I don't want to play devil's advocate, but strangely, that's exactly what we're doing with social media. It's like, here's something that was presented to us free, that had a lot of promise going on early, that the minds and the people, the creative individuals involved right. in it thought they were doing a really good service to the world, of which could be argued they they have. I mean, the good side of social media is that it's reunited lost, uh, long lost family members. It's it may even help a lost dog find his home. It's created, yeah, nowadays, yeah, absolutely. It's created countless jobs, hundreds of thousands of jobs if you uh, go across each platform. But eventually, there is the other side of that coin. Like, there's two sides to every coin uh, when it comes to this large of a reality shift from where we were compared to where we're at now. And well, the, and, yeah, and don't you fear the next step is going to be control? And, and we're kind of already there, right? Oh, we're yeah. already seeing control for the fight for the vote through control of social media. Yes. You're already seeing it. You saw it in the last election with foreign countries creating chaos, essentially. Well, you, you almost got, you, you got to think that it might have won Trump the election. The amount of propaganda that wasn't yet understood fully in yeah. 2016 that people were naive to and just thought, oh, this is routine. Oh, they're implementing Facebook into the vote now. But now we look back at it just four years later and we're a little wiser to what may have been going on then. Than Some what we people are, now. are. Some people, sure. Some people are. It's the, it's the, the Jesse Smollett incident again. I, I use that for so many. It's the bar for so much psychological stuff. But you had people who legitimately thought a guy who clearly, upon hearing that story, you could clearly read, see, and you could see the lack of emotion uh, in his interviews. You could read the lack of detail and the lack of honesty in his uh, transcripts and, and his statements. And all of that was based on like previous Boy Who Cried Wolf type stories, and not just with racism, with other subjects and topics that the AI in your head or the algorithm in your head just, I've seen this a hundred times before and this is bullshit, but there were a lot of people who just bought it hook, line and sinker. And you can't help but to think that's what happened in 2016 in some way, shape or form probably happens with every election. When you infuse propaganda, regardless of it being online or whatnot, I mean, that's all an election really is. It's just a hundred thousand percent propaganda machine to get you to believe in somebody for a short period of time and then all bets are off and a lot of times they talk about stuff that doesn't really matter Mm, yeah well i I think one of the problems though with people in general is getting them to when they talk about things to be talking about very specific parts of things like when when you and i might talk about the weather we might say it's hot right yeah oh man it's hot outside and we it's very general right Everybody should think about things like, oh, it's hot. Well, what was the temperature? What's the heat index? Damn it. What's That's what I want to know. That's the real temp. Oh, 90, 95. Is that in the shade or is that like in the sun? Like, you know, if you. My if, brother would have a joke right now. Uh, is that on a car tire or uh, right. on the asphalt? Or on the asphalt. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think 
you want to start to look at the detail of something like when we're talking about the weather being very general makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about something like politics or propaganda, as Miguel uh, would say, nuance is important. You want the detail, right? You want to know what the temperature was. You, eh, You know, you can't say just some, you just really shouldn't look at blanket statements and take them as fact. It's just, it's just a bad thing to do. It's how you get duped and tricked and, it's how thieves take advantage of people in a lot of ways. Online bullies, um, people looking to get one over for you. They're hoping you're not paying Used attention car salesmen. to the details. The phishing attacks through your email. I mean, the email looks like what my bank sends, but if you pay real close attention, it's there's some very obvious things. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know how you teach people that. I don't know how you teach them. It's okay to, well, it's talk, hard to, to. general generalize, but you really need to be worried about all the details in the general statement but what's well, so it's hard to hard. well it's hard because what you're as you're speaking everything that i am taking in from what you're saying and filtering is telling me that you're dealing with an entire system it's systemic that deals with misinformation and sort of manipulation of information and has for some time well maybe maybe part of it is we are embarrassed to say we don't know or we don't understand. And so we speak generally about a topic. So we're not tied down to something mm-hmm. that makes us look dumb. I see. So it's an or ego thing. Unintelligent. An ego. Yeah. Thing. And it may be unconscious. Whoa. Mind blown. Take that one, James. <laughs> There's been a lot of, uh, been a lot Sorry. of stories up, of James? unconscious. Yeah. What's up, James? Come on back, man. He's got a big wedding to get ready for and just, Moved to his new place with his fiance, so he's probably too a little too busy to come back on meandering. Even though earlier in the week, uh, I think it was the night the stars advanced to the Stanley Cup, he was like, "Man, I wish we could record right now." I'm like, "Why?" So we could talk about how yes, yeah, meandering sports, bro. <sighs> Don't give me one of the on greatest sports, sports stories in the last decade. The stars, easily. absolutely. Why they are in no way, shape, or form as talented as as oh. I as the Avalanche <laughs> or the Vegas Knights. Okay, we're if you tuned into meandering for the first time, you're about to hear one of our peak arguments. No, because I watch a line that pushes Tyler Sagan, Radulov, and Jamie Ben out, and I'm like, holy cow, you've got three guys who this is an olympic team this is an olympic stature team Corey perry you basically got the mighty ducks lines from their cup years five years removed you've got guys they're all a little bit over the hill but that's what wins in playoffs and that's what is set in hockey yes joe pavelski they're getting their backup goalie has the one that's gotten hot and essentially i mean they scored nine goals to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on the Stars at all. What they're five doing five games, is, nine goals, didn't hardly even average two. Didn't average two goals a freaking game. What they have done is awesome. It, it is, is great, amazing. Game seven, you have the rookie. It is not unexpected. Get a hat hat trick in the round. Yes, it is. It's very unexpected. But Anton Kudobin is like thirty. He's a four, he's, six. Yeah, he's not a, a young goalie. So the fact that he's rested up and his hot streak can sort of insulate and it doesn't get hit by jet lag, and it doesn't get hit by potential injury based on, uh, you know, playing so many games in so little time. Even though they are playing a ton of hockey in short every other of time, night, essentially. But 
is it easier to work from home than it is to go into the office every day? Does it drain no, your energy? Does easier, the commute? It's easier to go in than it is work. From does home. the commute make you look a little less forward to work every day than it does when you're working from home? Yeah. Be, you just got done if, saying we can't I, be honest if, with ourselves. If I only had to work for three hours, I would tra- travel me. Okay, travel me. You mean I get to fly to all the big major cities in the U.S. and I only have to work for three hours at, at night? Uh, okay. I don't want to anger any Stars okay. fans because they're probably my second or third favorite hockey team. I give my brother a lot of shit for them because he he's like a Cowboys fan um, when it comes to the Stars. Like Regardless of their predicament or their situation, he's always eternally optimistic and thinks they're the greatest hockey team to ever uh, lace up, and that's just untrue because he doesn't know his hockey history. Montreal Canadiens hockey team is probably the greatest sports franchise in the history of all sports, but that's for well, another. I don't know about all sports, but I'll well, they've won the most you, championships. I'll give you. Well, they've been around since what? <laughs> I don't know if they've won more championships than, than the Yankees. Yankees, but then again, they played in a league with only six fucking teams 18. forever. Eight. I'm pretty sure early on it was the six, right? I thought it was the original eight. I don't know, bro. Maybe. Oh, oh, wait, wait a second. Is the Texan about to up the uh, Canadian the, with the original six? six? It's okay. I mean, I'm okay with being wrong on this one because, yeah, I'm okay. I wasn't alive in the 40s or 30s or whatever. <laughs> oh, is that how we're going to spin this? Yeah. I didn't even know really what hockey was until the stars moved here in like 92 or 3 or whatever, bro. Yeah. But anyway, it, it it's it's very... It's a lot like what the Mavericks did in 2011. No one really picked them to be there. They surprised a lot of teams. They're the most stacked team in the league. They are not the most stacked team in the league. That just shows you are not watching and keeping up with your sports. If you go off of names alone, just names and hockey skills, they are the most stacked team in the league. They are not. Radulov. Yeah, he's falling off. Sagan. Who have been... Called out by the owners and the and the guys who run the team for not stepping up. I just feel like I could go through the stars roster. Uh, I and think you're thinking about a 2015 these names, maybe, but you're maybe. not really keeping up with 2020s, bro. Well, good for them. It's a pretty good story, but anyway, empty. Nobody will be in the stands to see it. <laughs> Sorry, that's well, it's because my... it's in Edmonton. If it was here in Dallas, there'd be you know a couple thousand people in the seats. Yeah, and this season is what it is in the NHL and every uh, sport league for that matter. We, but we, we get the World Series this year. But in the oh yeah, that's strange. But in the NHL, I think home ice plays a more significant role than Boy, like a regular season I'm football say, game. No, no, it doesn't. What sport does it play the have the most I mean, impact? I mean, think about it. Hockey is the one sport where the eight seed wins fairly consistently over the one seed. I would have gone with basketball over that. Not not oh, the no NBA, way. but like the, college environments and whatnot. Well, sure, college environment because it's one game, right? That's it's true. Not a series. That's true. Um, NBA is probably the exact opposite. The one seed never loses uh, to an eight seed. Um, where home home court advantage in basketball, and then just maybe because of most, you know, when you get a couple of superstars on one team, they're just impossible to beat, whether it's road or away, or road or away, road or home. Um. I think that one holds up, but I don't know that momentum. Um, I don't know that you know, as somebody who may look at some sports gambling stuff from uh, time yeah. to time, 
Um, the road team dog um, or the road teams or home teams have an advantage, maybe overvalued by some. So what sport do you give it to then? I, I think, you know, in the old days when you flew prop planes and no one was really working out, uh, it probably had an impact um, with modern, you know, with the, these guys, charter planes, uh, they're all nice. What about the officiating? What about it? Well, I think officiating is skewed by by crowds sometimes. Sometime, like uh, I think the ref blows the whistle after he realizes that he's made a bad call on a previous thing, and he gets to look at the replay thing, and the crowd is booing the hell out of him, and then the other team gets a call here or there. That still happens in the bubble. Props to the stars. Well, okay. hopefully, that's not Good. dating ourselves. Talking about the social dilemma on Netflix that just came out two days ago. Yeah, there you go. Dated us. Damn it. When they dig these these up from the ground in a hundred years, they'll be able to know exactly what night we did it on. We were recently, before I got under this meandering of our fortieth episode, and it led to all of these Social variety media, of things that we sports, talked yeah. about. Uh, we were recently on another podcast. Recently, <laughs> yeah, we uh, simulcast maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It felt like we were. As much a part, as of, much the a part of the conversation as, as they were. Yeah. That was a ton of fun, actually. And that was a lot of fun. I thought we might have had a lot of problems talking over each other with five people going. But, we had more uh, problems talking over each other with, with two people yeah, than we I'm did not, with five. I'm not waiting on you to finish a sentence. I'm not going to be that polite. Well, I had to share a mic with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so, true. You can't, you can't tell, really, either. I've played it back. This is the Mystical Moon Society, by the way which we were hosts of, or at least the introduction would have you think that we were the hosts right. of the episode. But uh, their podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube as well. They've kicked it up a notch, and they have a YouTube channel. Yeah, so I like it. It's a neat little episode. It's my second time on the show. You're first. Mine too. I oh, had, a, I had damn. an individual episode. That's right. Yeah. You had an individual episode last season. Yeah, they do sure seasons. Did. We don't. Yeah. We don't do seasons. Right. We don't want to be canceled after a certain amount of seasons. <laughs> it's a good way of not being canceled. Right. Not having any seasons. <laughs> yeah. If somebody, if some big wig approaches us and says, well, how long do you guys uh, see, how many seasons do you see your, your show going here? Uh, well, sir, I mean, we're just going to keep it going. <laughs> Can't hone in on season ratings being lower this year than they were last or anything like that. Right. Because we're one big, long meandering session. Yeah, it was a fun crossover yeah. episode. That was tons of fun. Really. We talked about uh, the predominant conversation was regarding the Anunnaki. Uh, the Anunnaki and aliens, ancient aliens coming down and, and feeding us all of the information that that propelled our civilizations moving forward and all that. And I, I've been thinking about little bits of the conversation here and there and been seeing it show up in my algorithm feed on other platforms as well because there's a lot of interesting stuff in this year not only this year but in the last decade i would say that has been released informationally uh, on the topic of alien life and what may be out there and you would you would think that we're at a point in history where that's just inevitably going to progress, right? And we're going to actually have some substantial, not evidence, but uh, 
conviction in some of the things that we say that up to this point people say, ah, you're just speculating or that's theory or yeah, you can think that. But sooner or later you get to a point where that knowledge that you've just felt inside of you is confirmed. Right. It'll, it'll probably, I don't know. Some of this stuff may never be confirmed, right? I mean, but it has to be. Maybe. I don't know. Well, they've confirmed UFOs and they've confirmed unidentified flying objects that do not originate from any country on this planet. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at it, you can easily kind of look back and go, there's no way we evolved from apes to what we are today without some sort of help. Or even if we've evolved from apes. Yeah. We talked, I talked or mentioned a little bit about that maybe on that episode where it's like, you know, you got people who believe in evolution and creation. It's probably somewhere in between. Has to be, you know, it's probably not one or the other. Right. And, uh, but yeah, that was a great, it was a fun time. I enjoyed talking with the ladies. Maybe you want to watch Prometheus right after that's for sure. Maybe you want to watch the whole alien franchise because, uh, really? Well, yeah, I give alien covenant a lot of shit because it wasn't so great, but you look at the details of alien covenant and have you seen that recently? Well, in the last couple of years, I guess. So Fastbender, um, the android yeah. of the series, sp- full spoiler alert, it's moving ahead. In that movie, which fits in between Prometheus and the first Alien movie, he's tinkering with the species, the, uh, God, why am I for blanking on uh, their xenomorphs? Yeah, don't look to me, but. Their uh, xenomorphs, yeah. jeez. So he's tinkering with the origination of the xenomorph species which was really birthed in prometheus uh when the mixing of the plant dna that was (laughs) delivered by the engineers at the beginning of the movie mixed with the engineers at the end of the movie he took the hybrid of what came out of uh, the engineer's body at the end of prometheus and he said i'm gonna evolve this even further and i'm gonna push this forward in a direction and he's got his whole lab set up on the planet it's not a great movie but the intricacies of i do this a lot the the movie is talking about a little bit more it's it's trying to uh put pictures to the discussions that you have about creation theory and the stuff you read in books and it's trying to visualize it as only hollywood can really do or documentaries can but you couldn't watch a documentary on the anunnaki and see actual footage or anything like that from right. when they were on. so hollywood kind of is a middleman um in in bridging that gap ever so slightly it's purely fictional of course and and there's a script involved and there's acting of course but the story that ridley scott is trying to tell in covenant i think has some level of correspondence to that and what's even more interesting is that fastbender's character is ai right and I want to say that Meandering was born that night in the bowling alley where I mentioned my AI time travel theory. <laughs> because, because ever since that conversation, I've wanted to work it into one of these episodes. I wanted it to be the first episode, now we're on the 40th, and I want to work it in some point. But my theory, and I think I've mentioned it once on air, was that AI would be the species or the these conscious i don't even know how to how to label ai the intelligent life 
No, they're not life. Okay, not yet. AI would be the source of intelligence that would figure out time travel as we understand it on this planet. And if it could, then it has. And it would go back and it would insert itself somewhere in our timeline to lead up to the point where we're at, where we depend on it to move forward. That's what any intelligent species would do. It would create a sense of... Um, that would seem like way more work than what it's worth to... Uh, than just roll in, blow up the planet, and <laughs> take but, it over. But <laughs> Go that's all the way thing. back in time to, to trick the people? I, that's I don't the know. thing. Does destruction of this planet serve as AI at all? What if this is its thriving place? What if AI only exists here? Then doesn't it need then to... Then how did it travel in time? Well, that's what I'm saying. Our understanding of time travel on this planet relegated to these three dimensions that we understand. AI is working within those constrictions because AI is programmed by us. So it can only evolve so far until it starts learning on its own. But certainly at this point in 2020... There are algorithms out there, and there's programs that, if human beings have been trying to figure out time travel for hundreds of years, we certainly coded some robot to do it. Well, that'll probably be how we we actually explore space. It'll be through robots, through AI, AI design, or, sort of, uh, or even human controlled, like uh, people in NASA are controlling the robots flying the spaceship. I look at it like um, like the chess program, the Deep Blue program yeah. that took very little time to figure out how to beat Kasparov. Okay. If you apply that same machine learning expeditiousness to a bigger thing than playing chess, which chess is a pretty big thing when you think of the variability. Really. It's a very closed thing. It's because closed. there's only so many moves you can make. There's all each plus the variability though would seem is not as big as you think it is. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Maybe in the human uh, understanding of chess, it is. In in just the game roles, it's not. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's a ton for us to learn, but for a computer, it's probably next to nothing. So, which is why it's one of the very first things that they did this with. And that was mid-70s? Yeah, maybe. So in 35, 40 years... I'd have to rewatch the X-Files episode, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> that's, how you, <laughs> that's how you catch up? That's how you refresh your knowledge bank? Is just X-Files, popping in a yeah. random X-Files episode? It's not a bad idea. When you talk about stuff like this, there probably was a... Oh, absolutely. And when you think talk about things that happened in life, there's definitely a Seinfeld oh. episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's why it, that's the love of Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah, is that it's just everyday casual conversations being yeah. had and predicaments and weird but anyway, awkward yeah. situations. AI. AI Chess. would have had to have figured out time travel by now. It's got so much that, data. I don't know that it actually would exist in the way that we perceive it to exist. Like there's no going back in time and changing what happened. Time travel. Well, what if that's interdimensional? And what if that's a, a dimension we just haven't uncovered? Is 
because time is is an arrow. It it, it is well, Christopher Nolan figured this out in his recent script writing for Tenet. It does work both ways. There is a retro causal sort of area to tap into when it comes to time to where if you are cognizant enough of the actions you are taking now, you can predict where you are going in the future. It's very easy to do, actually. If I drink a gallon of water right now, I'm going to have to urinate in the next hour. That is a predictability factor to the future. It's an algorithm that I have inside of my head based on experience that knows if I ingest this amount of fluid, a certain result will be elicited. Now, the way we open it, it's interesting that we open this conversation about social media and all the data we've been feeding social media over the last 20 years and the countless algorithms that have been churned out to control basically the lifestyle and the psychology of people that are at its mercy. Okay. I don't think it stops there. I think the goal of, and this is where you get a little uh, skynetty, but the goal of a species or a life form that, and it's hard to call AI a life form, so I'm not quite there yet, but an intelligent system is to at least reach the equivalency or surpass its creator. And so in order to do that, it typically, it's been people saying AI will learn on its own and, and do that. And, and that's when it surpassed us. But it, I think that's happened a long time ago. I, I think it, it happened, <laughs> obviously, if the thing beat Kasparov, then it happened in the 70s in some like tiny little nook, like you said, of a closed environment. But 50 years later, I think the open environment is up for the taking when it comes to steering in a direction. That doesn't mean that it's malevolent or, or negative. Uh, it just means that AI can do things quicker than we can. It's why we're going to be sticking automated um, robots in positions that human beings are no longer needed for, because right. they can do jobs quicker than us. They're so not restricted to eight hours a day. So then, doesn't that apply to realms of scientific research? Doesn't that apply to critical theory? Doesn't it apply to all of these things that we've been hampered back by because of uh, opinion, perspective, uh, narrative, agendas, money, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't AI come along and say, I don't care about any of that. I care about resolving or, or getting to the, the answers of all these questions that you have proposed and, and thrown into this mesh of this web that uh, you've gotten no results from. It has to. That's the point. It doesn't care about making things better or answering questions. It's a difference engine. In the end, all the chess game is is a reactionary difference engine. It goes based off of, it's, it's just playing off of you. It has no goal. It doesn't know that it won. Its ego is not getting bigger. It's not talking trash. I mean, if I coded it, it would have been talking trash. <laughs> but it's not talking trash. It's humble. I mean, well, I mean, while AI is going to help us with a lot of things, I, I don't know. We haven't made that leap to where AI starts to learn on its own and not, 
I mean, it, it kind of learns now, but it's learning within a set of parameters that are set for it to learn within, right? But those are the parameters that we operate in as well. Yeah. So if that's our reality. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like uh, if I'm teaching this program to learn, I it's only going to learn what I teach it to learn. It's not going to learn to learn about stuff that it's not supposed to learn about. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That's my That was my stance a month ago, is that AI was never going to be able to pierce that veil that human beings have created for themselves because they're the programmers behind the program itself. Well, they'll eventually... Yeah, they'll eventually learn to learn, but at what point does the AI become consciousness? And in other words, at what, at what point does it start to think, I want to live? Um, and I know if you cut my power, I don't live, you you know, things along those lines or, you know, I need to make changes. I want to solve this problem. I don't, it's going to be interesting if that ever comes about in our lifetime, I guess. I don't, I don't know. And then to what extent does it, does it go to preserve that? Well, and then it goes very, I, I robot, I think, honestly. Yeah. It goes very much, there's three laws and it figures out a way around <laughs> one of the laws. Well, if it's fi- that's the interesting thing about time travel, though, is because if it's figured it out, then it's figured it out already. And we could just be living along a linear line that it's figured out. Maybe. In this particular life, on this particular planet, we could just be on that timeline. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, that was my that was my AI time travel terminator theory. It's a little terminatory. It's a little timeliney. Michael Crichton. It's a little. Uh, it's a hodgepodge of stuff, but um, that's what the show's all about. Yeah, a hodgepodge of stuff. And so I, I just wanted to introduce that to see where where it went, the conversation, and I think the answer to it because i am interested in predicting the future uh, or at least the future that is predictable i believe that there is a distinctly predictable future when you are dealing with the human species because the human species operates on a cyclical groundhog day like sort of means of operation and the only real uniqueness and the i don't know about that well i i i firmly believe that the only uniqueness is on a local level of humanity with the individual. When you hear individual experiences and you hear of individual lives and individual stories, you do see why the human species is different than any other species on this planet. However, when you graduate up to like a group of three or four, a lot of families are the same. A lot of work environments are the same. A lot of school environments are the same. There's not a lot of variance when you start adding individuals and like it graduates from individual to group or group to society or society to civilization. Yeah. But that's all part of being in a civilization or in uh, a country of people. Um, There has to be a certain level of conformity. And because of that, there's a, Certain level of making things a lot of the same. But with that, you you got to go one step further and say, it's predictable. I don't know if it is predictable. Societal Who behavior? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that pandemic 
reactions. Well, reaction was predictable. Well, Although, listen to I, our 33rd episode. I or feel like I was telling you guys how it was going to be pretty early with these guys not wanting we'll, to wear masks. We'll have to go back in time because, yes, you have turned on your Nostradamus shoes or your activator very frequently in the coronavirus conversation. The thing is, I, I, I agree to a certain extent that people were predictable, but I think they're predictable because the stimulus is predictable not in, versus their their uh, what they do is predictable. Mm-hmm. Now, you can make them predictable because they'll respond to, I say they, we will respond to certain stimulus in a lot of the same way. Um, yes. So I, I guess so, but not really. I think there's a lot of unpredictability. Um, At this point, the only thing that I would like see unpredictable I, with humanity is if they you know, started shedding their skin and turn and walking around and <laughs> as reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the reptilian theory. That would be a little unpredictable. Yeah. That would be unpredictable. <laughs> but the reactions, the opinions, I, uh, I was having this conversation with someone online the other day in a tiny little nook of the internet, nook and cranny of the internet. And the guy thought that, I was engaged in a back and forth about a topic. I think it was coronavirus. And uh, one of his responses to something that I said was, I can't believe, and he was talking to me here, I can't believe you of all people bought into everything they're selling about the virus and that, that I thought it was real and legitimate and real. This is a guy who obviously has not listened to this program Obviously doesn't know me because we're talking about the internet, but thinks he knows me based on the relationship that he's had with me in this tiny nook of the internet. And then I got to thinking, like, why is is it is it my output of my personality that's skewing his perception of me, or is it just him that thinks he's got me figured out? And I just fought back with a little fire with fire and I broke down his reaction to the virus and the fact that what he was suggesting was not new. It was not, it was not something unique or anything like that. And that people have been denying this thing from the jump and they've been proven wrong every step of the way. And in order for someone to turn the blinders on to that takes a different level of psychopathy, I guess. Um, to it's, it's the I can't be wrong, so it must be this. Yeah, and it just keeps going. How did we of, get there? Uh, it's I don't know because it's, coronavirus is just like it's a drop in the bucket when it comes to the timeline. The people who can't admit that they're wrong have just been waiting for this sort of large scale event to come out of the woodwork and show us all that they cannot be wrong. Well, it's with any topic, really. Yeah, but we we can let it pass with uh, trivial stuff. Like no, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's true. You're married, right? <laughs> Next time on Meandering, let's cut it off if, if we're, right there. Because I'm married. I'm married right alive. now. By the <laughs> end of this talk, uh, might have some to the show. We're all right. Yeah. My wife is the one I worry about. But anyway. well, that's an interesting conversation itself. You brought up the fact that there's a certain mindset that just struggles to let something go. Uh, and I got this. I have this. I have got to be right a lot of times. And what if you are right? And there's a reason you can't let it go. But then 
you've got the ignorant who just bandwagon that, for for lack of a better term, or they run with it and they say, oh, I can do that too. I can do what he does. I cannot be wrong about anything, but there's no substance to why they can't be wrong. There's no support. Yeah, it's weird, right, how people will, well, it's like, maybe it goes back to that whole perception thing. We can watch the same event and we'll walk away with having a different thought of what happened during that event, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's that's what it's just how people perceive uh, things to be going. Maybe it suits their mind. I don't know. I, it brings them peace or it brings them calm. That's what I've been leaning more yeah. towards is that admitting uh, like a, a denier they, of the virus, for example, it admitting means they, means they don't have control. Right. Yes. I, I don't have control over it. And, and anything so that's beyond a problem for mm-hmm, me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, anything beyond that is a problem for a lot of folks, and that taps back into an ego discussion at the end of the day because control is really arguably a fabrication. I mean, you're not really in control of anything. a lot of stuff in, in this world. I'll argue that you can you can control, you have the ability to control things that happen around you and near you in that You've got to be more aware than everyone else Mm -hmm. and your actions account for their actions and you can kind of control some things. Yeah, if your awareness is higher than that around you. Driving a car, for example, there are going to be some people who hardly ever have an accident that drive a lot and there are going to be people who drive a lot and have an accident once a month. And it, it all comes down to being aware, essentially, and making the right choices, you know, in a road situation to avoid things from happening. That same logic should apply to a pandemic. It should, but it, and it probably does for some of us, but not all of us. There's some people who are intent on being bad drivers. Yeah. Are there people who know they're bad drivers out there, but they just don't care? That's interesting. I, I, I would like to question some of the folks that I drive with every day to say, do you think you're a good driver? I mean, (laughs) going 55, swerving lane to lane, no blinker, anything like that. No, uh, my pet peeve is is more with the people who just don't look and just change lanes, or, you know, you know, I'm in the right hand lane. There's no one in front of me. I'm going above the speed limit, and some guy moves over to the center lane, passes me, pulls in front of me, slams on his brakes to turn right. So now I have to slam on my brakes. That's ego. And it's like you it's couldn't just get behind. I mean, ego. two seconds to put tap your brake. You didn't have to accelerate past me. You could have just got him behind me it have taken you one two seconds longer to get in the parking lot but i don't know that they're consciously going i'm going to speed up get in front of them turn them and piss them off they're just going they're speeding up going oh my shit my turn and they're cutting people off and not giving a shit because their convenience outweighs your life and, and property <laughs> yeah oh people are completely different people behind the wheel of a car most folks most folks i'm the same guy yeah, I might be a little more aggressive, actually. Same the here. I want to, well, I don't know if aggressive is the right word. I'm a little more, I don't know. Things have changed with, with my daughter completely. So I don't even know how to classify myself as a driver anymore. I do know that when it's just myself in the car and I have no passenger, I'm right back to the type of driver that I was by myself in my single years in the 20s and, and uh, whatnot. Yeah, when I had passengers and drove Lyft, I definitely drove differently with people in the car with me that I was responsible for. Mainly not because I thought I, I think that I drive unsafe. It's just that they 
would probably be uncomfortable with being a, as aggressive as I yeah. can be. This conversation by, comes by, up a lot. By aggressive, I just mean I'm generally I generally want to move faster than those around me because I'm in more control if I'm moving faster than slower. I'm right there with you on that one. I am a big time saver kind of guy and I'll do the math in my head of like the miles per hour that I'm doing if I have an hour or two long drive. And I'm like, okay, if I do 75 instead of 60, I'm buying myself about 15, 15 to 20 minutes of yeah. time altogether. Who doesn't want that? Right. Who wouldn't want that? And then that logic and that way of thinking, uh, whether this is a good or a bad thing, it applies um, to other people on the road for me. And when I'm seeing, when I'm stuck behind like a row of three people going 40 in a 40, oh and I can't, I can't get around each them, other. I can't get around them any way, shape, or form. The aggressive side of me doesn't come out in a physical way, but mentally I'm thinking, don't these people have something more important to be doing than driving the speed limit? Well, don't they have somewhere to get to that they would re- want to get quicker to? Well, well how about, how, are these guys looking in the rearview mirror and seeing the stack up a mile back of bumper to bumper car because no one's passing you? So they look next to them and go, oh, I'm going the same speed this guy is. No one can get around us. They're just oblivious to the whole world. And that person probably thinks they're a good driver. That person probably thinks they're a good driver. And they're also the type of people who block a turn lane at a, at a light, for example. When they're in the third lane and the turn lane is blocked and all they need to do is inch up maybe a car's length and they've got two car lanes in front of them. You don't, I don't honk. I try my absolute best not to honk because I like people realizing all that I didn't more. honk. Well, I like people realizing that that guy behind me could have honked. I'm an idiot. They didn't realize that. Oh, they didn't? No. They don't do that is what you're telling me? Yeah. The guy blocking my turn lane who just takes a glance up and finally sees that there's somebody waiting to skirt past him and, and make his turn, he doesn't feel bad that he didn't move up earlier? I would guess not. I, I would be surprised <sighs> if he even noticed you were there and moved up. That's not been my experience. They usually don't notice you're there. I'm all about Or perhaps self- they notice you're there. You can see them see you in their rearview mirror, and they don't move. I'm all about self-awareness. I do not like to impose self-awareness upon others because I've tried, and it doesn't have Look, great effects. If we're at a red light, and I'm you know, one car back, and the car in front of me, the light goes green, and we go one, two, three, four, five, and they haven't left yet, honking. I'm honking. Absolutely. Get it's, off your goddamn phone. It's funny. A week ago, this exact thing happened to me with my daughter in the car coming home. Granted, I didn't have a reason to rush to get home, and uh, when me and my daughter are out, I like I enjoy every single second because uh, she's learning a lot about the the world out there while driving, and she's asking a ton of questions. We sat at a light, and the light turned green, and the lady in front of us didn't move, and I could have easily gotten around and, and just moved around. I decided to stay there, and the light went yellow, and the light went red, and as it went red, she noticed that uh, that. She'd been sitting there for X amount of time and she progressed, but she didn't make the <laughs> light. So she inched up maybe like a half a car length right as the light turned red. Then when we got our next signal green, she sped off as if to say like, oh, I don't want this guy pulling up next to me and 
looking at me all funny. I want to sc- I want to I want to get away from the accountability that I may have to face here. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Okay. I went to school for a little bit of psychology with the intent of hoping that it would turn into a career, but everything sort of went uh, sideways in my college, my last college year, because hotel jobs took off uh, for me. And I've talked about it on the show. I found myself in a position where it was one or the other, and I chose the hotel industry and the career path there. So I dropped everything on a dime. And this is a way for me to be a psychologist, again, driving and assessing the whole world around me and the type of drivers that I'm surrounded by on a daily basis. I love to drive. I even love bad drivers. I love microanalyzing their their moves because it tells me a lot of, about the person behind the wheel. It really does. Your tendencies carry over from state to state to state. The type of employee that you are goes a long way in showing the type of person that you are. The type of um, sports fan that you are can go a long way. If you're a bandwagoner, if you hop from team to team and whoever's in the playoffs, you you could tell a lot about the, that type of person. If you don't have loyalty to a particular team or sport across the spectrum and you're just rooting for whoever's in the championship, you're either not into sports or it's just the type of person that you are. You're you're, you're um, an NBA fan. Fickle. Yeah, or you're an NBA fan. Right. A Lake a Lakers Cowboys uh can't think of the hockey team people with bandwagon. Yeah, there isn't really Vegas a, maybe a little bit since they started. Maybe since they're new. Yeah, and, and then, then baseball you're a Yankees fan. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of people those are their that's their checklist. Yeah. Cowboys, Lakers, Yankees. Yeah. I know everything I need to know about those people. <laughs> well, they grew up where there weren't sports or, <laughs> or just, they just like they the, bought into the it's like a winner. Or yeah. well, I mean, a lot of times it's about the team that's on in this in sports anyway, it's about the team that's on TV. And honestly, um every cowboy game's probably nationally televised. Every Yankee game is probably nationally well, not everyone, but anytime they're playing on the weekend, they probably have national telecast games. These guys, you just see them more. The algorithm got them. Well, I mean, I think they were algorithms during the early well before ages, social media. During the early age of the of television, um, if teams were good during that time, they probably got more uh, games on TV for the national audience, and that just led to them. That's why I think there's the Cowboys were good at the very at the right time in the '70s when TV and all that stuff was coming along, and we're on TV a ton during that time. And that's how they gathered a, a the America's fans. team moniker. Yeah, that's how they gathered fans. I mean, it helps that, you know, you got an air force guy and Roger Staubach who might be one of the coolest dudes ever, you know, quarterback in your team and he's captain comeback. And you've got, you know, iconic Tom Landry on the sidelines and you know, everything about it just, that and, was and definitely sees a, good, on TV. Yeah. a good mesh of stuff. But, um, we're in 2020. The Cowboys are not America's team. No, but but the generation that you influenced early on was reinforced in the early 90s when they had their three out of four. Absolutely. And in you know, so you still have all those fans. How long does it take for that psychology to erode? Because they're not America's team. 
No, I, I would say Patriots would be the new America's team yes. at, at this point. Yeah. Tell tell Skip Bayless to admit that. Right. And he won't do it. Um. Yeah, anyway, I don't want to have yeah. this turn into a Cowboys fan segment. Sports. I just don't. Not crazy about Cowboys fans, and I'm surrounded by them. That's okay. Not I here never at have this table. Been. I never have been. I, I hate Cowboy fans. I hate them with a passion. Well, they'll dominate the entire week with talk about the Dallas Cowboys in every facet, you won't be able to really even my problem with Cowboys fans is they're the most fair weather fans on the face of this planet. I I worked at a place for three years. And during those three years, the Cowboys weren't good at all. And in the fourth year when the Cowboys caught fire and had like a 12 and four season, couldn't stop hearing. There was like three people in the office, like in my face about it. I'm like, I didn't even know you watch football. But now when the Cowboys have a good year, you're in my face about the Cowboys? What happened the previous three years when they sucked? You didn't even say a word. Yeah. And that's what drives me crazy. That's what's noble about you when it comes to uh, your NFL um, sports um, team of preference. Because it's all my sports team, man. Well, mm. Mm, I don't even know. Well, you're a Rangers fan. Yeah, it's hard to be. Rangers, Mavericks, Stars, and my NFL team is the Broncos. I go... Out of state for the NFL team. Just because of how Cowboys fans I hated the Cowboys were. fans, and <laughs> I wasn't going to root for the same damn team. And so yeah, uh, Denver was the closest thing. I mean, Houston, I guess, but I like Elway. Uh, Elway came along right as my sports consciousness was really starting to take hold. And, uh, I mean, who couldn't like That's one of the greatest quarterbacks. Peyton Manning's getting voted into the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, but I, I, I look at him as a cult. Versus a oh, yeah. Bronco, but yeah. But he did bring a championship to Denver. Yeah. The first since the Elway years. Yeah. Even though Jake Plummer got close. Yeah, he did. <sighs> Jake Plummer. Mustache. Maybe you'll go with a Jake Plummer a look. Mustache? <laughs> I, I need to go get some pictures of Jake and uh, check it out, maybe. <laughs> Jake the Snake. Yeah, different. No, that was his nickname. Yeah, they called Yeah, because he was mobile somewhat. Yeah. But that the snake is a ripoff from quarterbacks in previous Kenny decades. Stabler. Yeah, my dad's favorite quarterback is Kenny Stabler. So yeah, he was a big Oakland Raiders guy. Tells me all about the the Marcus Allen, Kenny Stabler. And then That's Tim another Brown franchise that was just it was kind of anti cowboy. You know, oh yeah, kind of the bad guy, so to speak. I'm and I'm cool with that. Renegades in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even the fans, the black hole is like, yeah. there's no black hole equivalency in, in the NFL. Well, it doesn't, unless they brought it to Vegas, it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think they did. But there's the 12th oh. man, I guess. I, yeah, the, the Century Link, that was a weird, a weird era of, of Seattle Seahawks football to see the fans actually uh, not changing the outcome of games and all that, but legitimately playing a role in the games. The the 12th man in Seattle did legitimately. Uh, ever since you've had domes, the fan uh, fans have affected games. Okay. Uh, that's me entering sports on from AI time travel to that. But I mean, it's what we do on the show. It's how I beat you at Boggle. There are situations where the way that my brain works is beneficial, and playing sure. Boggle is <laughs> one of them. Maybe. You can see words where I don't always see words. Probably because I'm dyslexic. Maybe. 
you're just beating up on a handicapped guy. But that's okay. You brag. Great. Now I feel <laughs> bad about beating you a boggle. Not so much. Probably going to play a game before you leave here. I'm not specifically dyslexic, but I wonder if. Well, I won't go down that rabbit hole. That's why you got to check and double check your numbers. Yeah. The only way that AI then can't figure out time travel or hasn't been able to already <laughs> is if time is. travel is just not possible. Yeah, I don't know that it's possible. But it is. It's There is from a spaceship standpoint, right? I can get into a spaceship that travels at the speed of light and I can leave now and go out 15 years and then come back. And so it's a 30-year round trip. And I'm essentially, for me, the... Uh, rocket rides only is going to seem instantaneous, but in reality, 30 years have passed. I think that type of time travel 100% exists and is possible, but. Do you believe uh, in remote viewing? I don't know about all that. No, I don't know. I don't know. We, you know, one of the things we may have kicked around, I don't know if we kicked around on the show or not, but we kicked around, you know, how, uh, you know, there's a whole. Uh, genre, or genre may not even be the right, but there's a whole study of kids with past lives and how much they can recall from a past life. And uh, and maybe we should get into that in an episode. Um, and that is an interesting phenomenon that makes you wonder. Man, can you introduce that a little bit? Because that's got me really interested. And yeah, I want to leave him on a cliffhanger too. Okay. Not that um, the music won't do it. Because <laughs> as you're telling me this, I'm trying to figure out which song I'm going to outro with. Oh, am I? Since we can do that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. The one story that sticks out to me is the, the kid uh, who was just super into baseball and had all these like little things, you know, telling his mom that the, you know, the fat man didn't like me and, uh, you know, and I died very early. And then for a little child to have such details and when they like, well, that's disturbing, right? If your child tells you, yeah, I used to live before and I, and I died really early and I got sick. Uh, but just to be just was so into baseball and had so much detail to it that, you know, his parents looked into it. And it matched up with Lou Gehrig, you know. Wow. And. and and, and a lot of the stuff started to make sense. And then that's when you learn that there's a university. I don't remember which one. It's middle America. It's Kentucky or Tennessee, something like that. I'll have to, we need to get the details for the episodes, sure. but, but essentially they do this whole study where that's what, that's kind of what they do. They find these children that are having these uh, past live experiences and they talk to them, interview them, try to figure out maybe who it might be. Uh, and there's just a lot of interesting stuff that gets said during that time. So, um, you know, it makes you wonder about all kinds of things, you know. For sure. Oh man, see that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that really would be a level of unpredictable when it comes to the future of the human species, is if we tapped into all those things people speculate on and all those weird little intricacies that that you have in, sense of mythology around i don't want to call it mythology but you know when somebody tells you they're psychic you don't really sit down with them and say okay tell me how you're psychic or somebody tells you they it's hard can, to measure right it is hard to measure and having measurability is something we should dedicate more time to as a society for it to see if there's credence to it um and if it's if it's just this 
this plane of existence that we haven't tapped into enough of. And really, individuals are the only ones who are going to be able to do that up to this point. What I'm saying is, um, like, if you legitimately are out there and you think that you do have psychic ability, then odds are you're on one end of the spectrum or the other. You're either full of shit or you've dedicated enough time to where your experience and your understanding of what that means has warranted a sense of belief or conviction that you are. Um, much like, you know, anybody with a particular trade or skill, if, if somebody's an engineer, uh, what makes you an engineer? Well, my education, my career path, et cetera, et cetera. I think the same can apply to these areas of phenomena that up to this point have kind of been, uh, mm, not faux pas to talk about because everybody has is okay with talking about well, it. Them, but. It's kind of on an edge, right? Where it's hard to believe that might might be true, and and and, and it would um, perhaps challenge beliefs that you may have about how things are or how they work, and so you're less we likely got, to. We got done talking about how how intimidating that is yeah. to a lot of folks out there, but does that matter when it comes to the possibilities that could be reached from tapping into them. Like, well, that's, that's why I, I think you have a certain a level of people who want to study it, right? There's mm-hmm. a certain level. I, I think people are skeptical, especially the government things. studied it. So obviously there's some merit to it. If they've got decades of experiments and released documentation on all of these various things that. Okay. But okay, common so folk let, laugh at, let me play the, the opposite. Let me play the anti, or the negative part Bad of that, cop. or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's been it's a whole okay. long week already. It's yeah, okay. for sure. But um, so if the government found credence and that that this existed, would we know about these programs that happened in the past, or would they just be continuing to use it and cultivate it and try to keep it a secret, and we wouldn't know anything? They would do the same thing that they're doing right now with the alien stuff. They would wait until the climate was comfortable enough to release data to mass public. Right now, what you have to do is you have to seek it out on your own. You have to type in cia.gov slash Stargate, and you have to read up on the documents, the thousands of pages released in the early 2000s about the programs that were going on in the 50s and 60s that somebody or, or some group of folks within the U.S. government in the early 2000s said, okay, uh, there's enough chatter and there's enough stuff going on and, and talk going on about psychic phenomena and things like astral projection and uh, remote viewing. There's enough little nooks and crannies of society to where people are catching on to this in their very small um, circles. But it's to the point where we can spit out what we know about it and be okay and not receive a lot of scrutiny about what we did because it was 50 years ago. There's a reason why they lock up the JFK. They locked up the JFK stuff until what, 2050, something like that, because there's probably information that would be a little too overwhelming to people that lived through that time period perhaps that documentation is just merely the thought process of protecting the president and they just don't want that to be in the public at this point in time 
it could be, but there has to be, uh, well, I say there has to be loosely, but there has to be more than that because there's literally filing cabinets full of the stuff. So it has to be more than like one page that says, this is how we protected the president of the United States. And this is where we failed or something in that vein. There's, there's full, there's thousands of pages. It's not like they've got one manila envelope locked up until 2050. There's lots of stuff. There's probably stuff from his private writings, stuff from, I don't, I don't know. I'll, we'll get to see it in our lifetime, or we'll get to hear at least the version of what is released. 2052, 20. I don't remember. Like, and you know what? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at that point too, but I am interested in hearing what they thought they needed to lock away for a hundred years. It'll be very underwhelming in my opinion. Mm. What about, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to get too sidetracked there, but like you said, I do get, uh, I, I do you go sidetracked a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Meandering. We sidetracked uh, right. on purpose. So right. Not necessarily on purpose. It just works. That it just way. happens. Um, the Stargate files from the CIA. I've read, 50 to 60% of them. And I try to tell everybody who I uh, recommend, you know, movies to and, and check this out or just people that are good friends that I'm like, Oh, okay. We talk about this here and there, check this out. And it turns out that folks will, will do that kind of stuff at their own discretion. Like you can't really force that kind of stuff. Well, to people and that I kind of goes back to I can't tell you hey Morgan tomorrow read 480 pages on what the government did in the 50s and 60s yeah, when it I'm comes not, to remote viewing I'm not going to right if I discover it on my own I probably will isn't that weird yes my wife gets so mad at me she'll tell me to hey this show's great you should watch this show <laughs> And I'll be like, yeah, okay. And I won't do anything. And like six months later, somehow I'll come across that show randomly and I'll watch it. And then I'll go, hey, because I'll have forgotten that she told me about the show six months ago. But man, have you seen this show? This is great. She goes like, God damn it. I told you about that six months ago. And you didn't even props, listen to me. Props to your wife for not getting super angry about those situations. Because oh, I gets, get angry about she, those she gets, types of things. Yeah, she gets angry. I just, you know. That's it. I mean, that is it. You, you may have just answered a bunch of questions with one fail swoop. People like to discover things on their own. Yeah. It, it's like, uh, you, and it may always, be the problem with religion. It may be the problem with all of that. Well, at a certain point with some of the stuff, right, you, you get introduced to it and it may not be interesting to you in the moment that you're introduced to it. Um, yeah. I, you know what? The first time I ever met my wife, I don't even remember meeting my wife. Really, she remembers it, but I don't remember her. Oh, that's because you guys went to high school together. We were at a church lock-in together. It would have been the first time we'd ever been around each other, and I didn't even know she existed. And there were only like fifteen people at the church lock-in. Mm. Okay, so she, but but to me, she was not even on my radar at that Dang. point in time. Right. You know, fast forward like I don't know four or five months, and we meet each other again. And that's the first time I see her. I didn't but, see her back then, but I see her in this other situation. But she had a leg up on you. She knew who you were, and she uh, she had seen me before. 
probably couldn't have placed me immediately. Uh, okay. It was. It's just funny how stuff like that happens, right? Like, uh, I don't know. So what you're saying is everyone's going to have to be abducted by aliens <laughs> in order for the aliens to be like, all right, we can finally reveal our true forms to these people and be okay and not get all this hate. Well, well, I think what they did was they started writing TV shows and movies <laughs> where they just started uh, putting their hand in the political spectrum and uh, saying, it's not let's gonna, see how they treat immigrants and not, what they call aliens. That's not going to, that's not going to influence people. They lock movies, them in cages. Movies are going to influence people. Yeah. Not politics. Well, the alien movies of the last 30 to 40 years have all been, oh my God, they're coming down. They're going to kill us all. Oh my God. You don't get a lot of Day the Earth Stood Stills, which one, some of my favorite. Um, can you call Aliens? them alien movies? Yeah, it's an alien movie. Huh. Yeah, it's more of a human story, but yeah, I can I can see it. Like the original Day the Earth Stood Still is not about. I feel like whoever wrote that was trying to get people to think about the way that they acted versus yes. versus like an alien invasion style, yeah. big statue, big robot coming down. Because that reality is a little far-fetched to me. I don't see that sort of alien invasion. I see more of the intelligent design, Anunnakian style, get people moving forward type of deal yeah i don't <laughs> well sir nibiru only comes around every 3600 years so maybe we've just been in a gap maybe we've been in a gap of time and we're due for like ice ages we're due for uh a re a reintroduction to higher species maybe I don't know about a reintroduction. What if they all died? What if they all died off and we're the only ones left? In the entire universe. Universe, yeah. Boy, we're... <laughs> if we're the last hoorah of yeah. the entire universe, oh, we are... This is uh, like Tony Romo's last year. In week 15, we just call it quits. And then we go announce for CBS for <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't care about winning a Super Bowl. I don't, we're caving in. We, we're not. Uh, we're not too determined on our path of uh, making a. Well, right, working together as a yeah. world is going to have to happen, and that we're mm -hmm. not there yet, right? We're, we're barely, not. We're barely there as working together in countries. So, out of that, though, you may get uh, a lot of spin-offs and branch-offs of of some good decent humaning out there because i think uh well i can only speak for myself here but when i take a look at the way the groups behave and the political systems and within this country tribalism and all that i don't want anything to do with it much like you look it's at disgusting. social media you don't want anything to do with it it's the same sort of thing out of that i think ingenuity and evolution comes even if it comes on an individual level um i think some of the greatest innovating has come from individuals who are removed from any constraints and shackles and uh strings being pulled so 
there's that going, not only for us, for all the individual creators out there and individual minds who are not on purpose removed from that uh, cog-like mentality, but uh, may be individuals for a reason, for deeper meaning that we can't tap into quite yet, because, I mean, it's just M40. There's going to be an M45. There's going to be an M50. Probably. Doing this on uh, on slow release style. So now i got to think of a song. Now i got to think of a song to sum up this last hour and 48 minutes. I don't know. Go with the X-Files theme. Nah. No? Nah, that's an intro song. i got something okay. better for you. All right. i got something better for you. Your music... No, just just today. I'm I'm DJ for a day. In the future, we can we can talk about. Oh yeah, uh, you want me to DJ? Yeah, I got some music for you. I got some music hockey fans will enjoy. All right, man. You know what? I'm not gonna have the first episode we have music incorporated in. Not gonna let it go out on that note. What? We had a fine outro. Now you're ruining the outro. I'm not ruining the outro. Okay. I am adding to it and amplifying it. You're going to bring something back? Okay. I'm going to bring something back that All right. we both discussed this. Yeah, we did. And when I think of change, <laughs> it sounds like I'm narrating. Are you going to hit the post? Over the scorpions? <laughs> no, I kind of just want to let this song speak for itself, but copyright infringement. Gotta tread carefully. Gunky Park Gorky Hey, that was one month ago This is one of the older bands I really still enjoy favorite band or was for a while yeah they're they're a lot more than just rocky like a hurricane there's a lot of depth to the scorpions discography the world is closing in did you ever think that we could be so close like brown i don't know i don't know morgan did you no but then we had to talk about sports. <laughs> okay, this is where it gets a little Euro cheesy for me. Uh, the magic of the I moment. I still like this part. Yeah. I like this part too, but all the knocks you just had on Ario Speedwagon. This song came out Berlin Wall era, right? The whole point of the song was the sort of uh, European Revolution and what was going on in the 80s. Uh, don't give me a line about the song. Well, I think that's exactly when it came out and why it came out. Yeah, that's exactly why. And music is so powerful. Can but, be. But people... <laughs> People don't get the messages that the arts are trying to 
and still there's just too much to chip away at in the human psyche, too much built-in defense systems to where a song like this. Yeah, it, can, it was 1990. Was yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So it was Berlin Wall. Yeah. yeah. Well, there may have been something else that happened at Gorky Park that I'm not <laughs> 100% sure of. <laughs> So how far have we come from that? Peace of mind in, I mean, maybe in Europe, maybe we can only speak for ourselves and maybe over there, there really is some sense of hope and optimism and the way of uh, the world, but. Well, I mean, this is about the end of the Cold War, essentially. Berlin Wall coming down, all that stuff, yes. Monumental sort of change in psychology and in society over there. Right. Americans had the hippie movement in the 70s. End of the Cold War is not necessarily a a feet on the ground. In the middle, yeah, you're right. right. But these guys are from West Germany, so... You're talking about growing up in a city that was split? That's got to be crazy, right? Mm. I kind of like the talking over mm. Scorpion's window change in the background. <laughs> it's putting me it's putting me in that mentality. It's a great song. Wind of Change. Yeah. M40. That was pretty good. I guess so. See you next time. Later.